the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another midweek edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Brandon Kravitz here, along with the Grinch himself, Mike Janetti, <laughs> and we'll dig into that detail in a moment. But a uh, pre Merry Christmas to you, Mike, and to all the listeners as well. Same to you. Enjoy some time off, man. It sounds like you've been working your butt off over there. <laughs> is, that what, is that what this sounds like? Yeah. yeah, it's just hard work. That's all it is. I, you know, I would, I would love if I could spin it that way, but I have a four-year-old <laughs> who brings home germs I've never seen or felt before. So I will press, uh, press on. Hopefully the, uh, the sound of my voice isn't too, um, irritating to the grizzly. Out there. It's very radio grizzly. <laughs> I should be I should be cutting commercials for Marlboro right now. That's right. Uh, so we're on to week 16 in the NFL season. Still a lot to be decided. The Ravens, Eagles, and Cowboys, they've all clinched a playoff spot. San Francisco has as well. But San Francisco is the only team thus far to clinch their division. What have you thought about the season as a whole? Just a grand view as we're almost wrapping up the regular season. The intrigue that we have here down the stretch. I know we've dealt with a lot of backup quarterbacks, so... You know, it's so hard to compare seasons because once we once we move off of a year, we have no recollection of it. But just in general, has this been a a solid NFL season in your opinion? Yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm already into 2024. So <laughs> I'm backtracking now to kind of assess the rosters that have been for a while now. Um, yeah, there's no question the backup quarterback is one of these overarching themes that will carry, I think, into the postseason even a little bit and certainly into our offseason discussion. Um, as we try to assess maybe some of those players bouncing around a little bit, maybe some of those guys vying for starting quarterback pay or mid-level quarterback pay, whatever we're going to call it. Uh, to me, that's definitely one of the carryovers. I, I hate to get back into this and beat the dead horse, but you know, as I'm sitting here working on 2024 rosters, I'm I'm even more concerned about running backs, man. I mean, we're going to lose the Derrick Henrys of the world, I think. I, I, even Alvin Kamara is a bubble player. Uh, one of the bold themes that I'm taking into my offseason is, uh, is Christian McCaffrey going to be the only the only man 10 million plus as a running back going forward, literally starting in March? I mean, there's a world where that exists. Aaron Jones, Elvin Kamara, Derek Henry all fall off that train. Um, and, and then who picks up that slack? Is it the backup quarterback that takes on that kind of money? Is it, you know, are we going to pump even more money into the secondaries as this passing NFL scheme even even takes more flight? Um, and, and then here's one to talk about. Um, there's been a lot of good wide receiver play over the years. And I don't think this is being discussed enough. I, I've, I've tried to bring this conversation up a couple times for the past few seasons, especially more towards draft time. And I know you've probably dove into yourself, Brandon. We're seeing a dozen young wide receivers every year come in and make an impact immediately. You know, it's not like they're sitting back. And even if there's a, you know, even the Quentin Johnsons of the world who haven't gotten there yet, uh, you know, with a couple of guys ahead of them in the depth chart, they're going to be impact players within the next 18 months. What's that going to do, financially speaking? Eventually, there's going to be a breaking point, right? Justin Jefferson should have had a $35 million contract. He doesn't. And now injuries and Minnesota turmoil kind of have that whole situation in flux, right? Tyreek Hill has played out every dollar of his contract already. There's no question about that. So there's still some good here. But I just wonder, as we progress more and more and certainly get to a draft that has another dozen really strong names, is that going to be something that NFL front offices try to dial back a little bit? Um, the singular big wide receiver contract versus... You know, because look, the the Bills, the Chiefs, I think uh, to some degree, the Rams, 
big, big teams, you know, the 49ers are already doing it, are going to have to spread this money around a little bit to amp up their weapons. The Giants need six weapons, right? Um, So I I just think that's something offensively speaking, and I think we'll probably steal more, more offensively with this episode today. That's something I'm really watching closely is what happens with Justin Jefferson and what kind of trickle down effect do we have with wide receiver contracts, especially as rookies continue to make an impact with a lot of value. It doesn't seem like that's something that's going to take an immediate hold, but wide receivers are becoming a little bit more dime a dozen because the college game reflects the pro game. We're seeing more passing at that level. You're seeing the best athletes in high school want to play on the edge rather than in the backfield, you know, and it takes years for this stuff to take hold. I think we still have enough top tier wide receivers that are in the thick of their prime where teams aren't going to be able to help themselves. You still have about, you know, we could probably rattle off mm-hmm. 10 wide wide outs that are just simply a notch or two above everybody else. As good as Puka Nakua has been, as good as Jordan Addison looks, the right. guys that play alongside them are still worlds better than they are. Uh, even Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. T. Higgins is a nice wide receiver. That team is completely different without Jamar Chase. Um, So I don't think that that's going to happen just yet where we see a flattening out of the wide receiver. Well, let's let's stick there for just a second. And I know we're probably swinging a little off topic here, but, um, you know, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, um, actually, you know, you live in kind of the Miami world. You're you're a Dolphins fan. Tyreek Hill has his 30 million. All right. And it's going to only increase in cash because it's backloaded because it's Drew Rosenhaus. That's just life in Drew Rosenhaus's world. So um, it's only going to get more expensive from a cash perspective. Are you in the in the mindset that my the Miami Dolphins should now back it up with a twenty eight million dollar contract for Jalen Waddle, you know, and, and we can make the same conversation with Cincinnati, um, who are they're about to lose? I think T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and are probably going to opt to pay Jamar Chase thirty two million dollars a year over the next couple of months. Here, you know, what are you giving up offensively to make that one impact? Even if he's in the top one percent, like you're talking about. What are you what are you forfeiting to make that contract happen? I you know I I've, I've floated out numbers to Detroit fans about Amon Ross St. Brown and I, and he's a number 1. I mean, he's a legit number 1 wide receiver. You yeah. probably had him in your fantasy world and you know what I'm talking about here. The 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 proof is there production-wise to make him 25 million plus, to put him on an AJ Brown type contract. Detroit fans want nothing to do with that because they have six guys right now on that roster and they could probably, you know, stand to trade two of them. So I I just wonder where the mindset is, not just fans and fantasy wise, but from front offices, you know, is Cincinnati comfortable with subtracting two to pay one? I don't know if that's a good plan right now, man. Well, I I mean, injuries, of course, are going to make that look like a bad idea. But if you have Joe Burrow, how do you not supply him with Jamar Chase? a guy that he even played college ball with. Yeah, you see with Tua. Yeah, he had a great game this past week, and he threw it right back at all of his critics. Good for him uh, playing really well without Tyreek Hill in the lineup. But come on, like we all know, he's a completely different quarterback with that guy on the roster. I think it is It's such a cop-out answer, but it, I think it's so situation-specific. How yeah. have you built your team, and what does your quarterback really need and want in order to be successful? Every decision you make at the end of the day is about sacking the other team's quarterback or booing your own. And, uh, and, and guys like Jamar Chase and Tyreek Hill, they just, they're, they're separators like you can't find mm-hmm. elsewhere. I think the dollars are always going to be there for those guys. It's not like the running back position where there's really just one guy 
that is clear cut above the rest. Tier one is one name. If I were to say tier one at wide receiver, how many names are we coming up with? And, yeah. and as long as that list is is longer um, than most other positions, I think the dollars will always be there. It's fascinating, right? Because one of the big, you talked about storylines from 2023. There's no question. One of the big storylines are the lack of weapons for Patrick Mahomes, you know, and we can bring this conversation back to Tyreek Hill. Certainly, you know, they got away with it for one year. They didn't this year. They're not getting away with that right now, offensively speaking. So I just want, I wonder if there's any sort of regret now in 2023 with that kind of conversation and where do we go from here, right? What, what, what kind of off season are we going to see in Kansas city to kind of right that ship? Is it going to be an overpay for T Higgins? Is it going to be that they, they move up in the first round to get one of these young high fly, high flying players out of the draft? Um, I just wonder what kind of reaction we'll see to that. Or is this really how they want to operate? That's how the Patriots operated for a very long time. They would pick and choose their spots and maybe acquire a player via trade. Um, but the, the, the fascinating part to me is, you know, I'm sitting here trying to disassemble the, the Los Angeles chargers. It's one of my off season projects, right? And the chargers were one of the very few teams that paid multiple wide receivers, $20 million plus per year. They're also doing it with edge defenders too, by the way. Uh, that's all going away, you know, and, yeah. and, and we're not going to have many teams right now operating in that mindset. And I don't think the Bengals are going to be the next team. It seems like they're going to move on. But will Miami, you know, Miami's fascinating, Brandon, because Raheem Mostert has 20 touchdowns, man. This is a running team first, even though they have the highest paid wide receiver in football. So how do you how do you move forward with that, knowing you you might have to have the highest wide receiver, the fifth highest wide receiver and a rushing game that maybe carries 75 percent of your offense? I think we've sort of nailed the the answer to all of this. And maybe we thought a couple of years ago with all of these wide receiver duos that teams would just start building around those guys. Uh, but I don't think that's the right answer. It's you have one anchor at wide receiver, which is kind of an old school method. I'm not mm-hmm. going to pay two guys. I'll, uh, you know, I'll have Jerry Rice over there on the outside and then we'll just supply talent around the position. And with the Patriots, like I- I've used that before, but I think it's a mistake from all of us that analyze that that team because they operated the cap in the most fascinating way of any team that we've ever followed. And certainly you in this industry, but Brady always, once they became a passing team, he always had a Hall of Famer to throw the ball to, mm-hmm. whether it was Randy Moss or uh, or Rob Gronkowski. Julian Edelman came into his own. So they didn't invest a lot in terms of free agency, and they certainly didn't take a lot of stabs in the draft. But Brady, till the end, always had somebody that he could rely on. And having that one guy that you know we can, like, the 49ers are going to going to have to choose. Is it Ayuk or is it Debo Samuel? The Dolphins. Yeah. Is it Hill or is it Waddle? And you got to pick one because you're right. Once you start paying two, too much of your roster thins out. And then you just cross your fingers and hope they stay healthy. Here's the fascinating part about it. Um, I, I want to give them more credit than I'm giving in them right now. Both of those examples you just gave are great ones, right? They're, they're contending teams, high-flying offenses at times. I think we've seen Miami. <laughs> Miami maybe you know, 75% of the time Miami's offense ticks like this. But um, if it just runs its course right now as it is with both of those scenarios, Jalen Waddell and Brandon Ayuk, if neither of those guys hold out, which is my big concern because we've seen it now too often. If neither of those guys put down their foot this year and unfollow them on Instagram this, you know, this summer and go that whole route. Yes. Give me the content. They can, they can run through the rookie contract and the fifth year option 
and and stagger perfectly with Tyreek Hill's contract and Debo Samuel's contract in terms of the guaranteed outs on those deals. In other words, they can get this to the finish line right now with a rookie contract and a veteran contract intact. However, you and I both know, right? Ayuk and Waddle are essentially having career years right now, you know, and and they're benefiting from the fact that they're in offenses that can make it all work. I don't think those agents are going to let these get these players get through the next summer without some sort of payday. And, and that's where it gets really complicated for good teams in front offices for those good teams is that they're going to force the hand eventually. And at some point in time, one of those two players probably gets traded. Uh, they're going to be trade candidates right now, not because of what they're not doing on the field and not because their team doesn't want them anymore, but they can't deal with the pressure of having to go through any kind of public relations nightmare or just simply having a player that's disgruntled and, and trying to get into 2024's week one with an offense that may be you know, a notch below where it needs to be because of a contract dispute. You don't want it. You can't have it with good teams, right? You just got to bite yeah. it down and either pay the money or get the value back. So I, I, that's one of the things I'm carrying into these bubble conversations. Uh, it's not just players who you know aren't aren't performing to their to their contract. It's great players that are outperforming their current contract, and their team just simply has to choose say yes or no in, in March. And that's that's a really complicated thing to get into. But it might be one of the better storylines we can carry into March, right? These these high flying yeah. players that are stuck on teams that probably don't want to pay them yet but would pay them in 18 months if they'll wait around. And so is there a world because Jalen Waddle is such a perfect example of what you're talking about. And this past week, I think did a lot for him. Um, Mm -hmm. He was the number one and looked like a legit number one. And it's a reminder to the dolphins and to anybody else that we would be willing to trade for him or pay him that you can build your offense around him as the number one wide receiver. The only reason why he's underutilized is because you have one of the greatest Mm -hmm. talents ever in Tyree Hill playing alongside him. Do you think that there is a world where you franchise tag or, or give a one year, Hey, like a handshake agreement, one year, largely guaranteed deal where you say, we'll take Mm -hmm. care of you after the season is over. And would an agent even go for that? See, that's the thing, right? It's, it's extension or nothing. This is year four of his rookie contract. You got a fifth year option and then you got a franchise tag. So that's what I'm saying. You could, if he plays nice, you could ride this thing out for three more seasons with Jalen Waddle and really not have to do too much. Um, I think what you're saying basically is extend him to like a, a bridge extension yeah. right? and, 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 and sweeten the pot a little bit for year four instead of having him on the rookie three year four million dollar contract it's not a bad idea but you know look he's uh you know he's a high-flying number one wide receiver and he he's gonna want his hundred million guaranteed which is the going rate for the cd lambs of the world right um, i mean he's not a rosen rosenhouse client yet and i'm gonna say yet because i have a feeling there's probably some wink wink nudging happening there but um there's a chance that they could sneak something like that in we don't see it you know, we saw it with Jordan Love in a very unique instance this this past offseason. We don't see these kind of players do bridge extensions. But you know me, if anybody looking for a, a short-term high-impact contract, I'm in on that kind of conversation. So if, if th- that's what it's going to take to keep this player happy and on this roster for the next two seasons, then let's, let's do it. Let's fully guarantee a two-year rip-up contract, get him out of the rookie deal, Maybe even slap the no franchise tag after two years on it to, to make him happy, right? You're going to be able to walk away from this thing after two years, but we want you here happy and a literal legitimate 1B 
in the passing game for the next two seasons. And, and you just tell us cash wise what it's going to take. It's yeah. it's not good business, but it might be smart business for a contender. As long as he's willing to go for it. I'm watching. I don't know if you've gotten into it yet. The new Hard Knocks mids. I don't usually they've only done this for the last couple of years. I'm not really interested. I like Hard Knocks as like a, something to get me excited for the upcoming NFL yeah. season. But it's my squad. So I'm going to watch the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel's so entertaining. I don't know if you've gotten into that at all. Did you all, see the one drive? Is that what you're talking about? The one play drive? Have you seen yeah, that video? Yeah, oh yeah. my God, it's beautiful. And yeah. Tyreek Hill's all in on it. He knows exactly yeah. what's about to happen and he knows that this guy's the guy that can do it. So yeah, he's... Look, Waddle's a guy. He's a stud. He, you trade him to the, you know, to one of these big flying teams. You put him on the Rams right now and make him the one to Puka. Uh, he's he's a high flying, you know, number one wide receiver. So we know where this is going, but it's fascinating to understand that if Tua is going to need fifty million a year and Waddle's going to need thirty million a year, and you've already got a thirty million wide receiver, at some point there's going to be a breaking point. And oh, by the way, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that are going to pay thirty million right now. So it's yeah. a it's a fascinating market for a, a an absolute must have position for a lot of organizations yeah you they go down the roster start talking to all these different guys and you're like how are they affording this this is right. an all-star team so really it's uh it, it's win or bust uh, in terms of a championship this year for miami so let's continue on with these roster bubbles i'm gonna go position by position here okay. and uh, this is where you can play grinch for us and tell us who's in danger <laughs> of getting the boot after the season i will have you know that i looked back at your article from 2023 Okay. The roster bubble candidates. And I think your hit rate was close to like 50%. It was pretty good. Yeah. And he has some guys that have turned around like a Joe Mixon that have that have come back around into the fold where you go, okay, you know, you're kind of happy with what you're getting there. But and he took a haircut. Elliott's and all that. He took a haircut to, to stay around, stick around. If you remember, he got an off season right. trouble a little bit and then he took a massive pay cut. So yeah, that's something generally happens. If I, if I've identified a player, um, mostly it's a, it's a cap conversion restructure, but yeah, I, I put together a full list, which I'll, I'll launch here soon on .com, Brandon, but um, I've also got a greatest hits here ready for you. So if you want to go position by position, I should have a couple of names here ready for you. All right. We'll start with the QBs. Who do you, who do you see as a roster bubble candidate there? Yeah. The, the, the player that I've identified as sort of like the uh, the all roster bubble quarterback, I think, is Geno Smith. Right? Did Drew Locke put the nail in that coffin Monday night with that unbelievable drive? And and boy, the poise and the post game interview, everything sounded like this kid could take over next year if he wanted to. He's on a one year contract, so he's not under contract for twenty twenty four. It's not like he's he's sitting there waiting to take over the reins. Geno Smith is under contract for two more seasons, but this was always going to be a one year showcase contract. This was always basically. I, I, I don't know why he took less than the franchise tag. That doesn't make any sense to me, but he took less than the franchise tag. Um, he, they can completely get out of this thing before Mar before February 16th, which is when the waiver day uh, salary guarantees for 2024. So um, I think you take the 14 million of cap space. Maybe you re-sign Drew Locke with some of that money and you go from there. It doesn't seem like this, the 2022 Geno Smith is coming back. Um, and I'd be buyer beware if I'm thinking about keeping him around. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he proved himself a very Baker Mayfield type of uh, season. Mm -hmm. If you go back to last year, ironically enough, the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay is the guy who is the QB coach for Geno Smith. So Dave Canales <laughs> is going to be one of those hot names moving forward. If he keeps taking these marginal talents and turning them into what he's turned them into. Right. Uh, at running back, who, who do you have? I'm sure that uh, it was tough to narrow this list down. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just stood, stood with the big cap hits because, you know, there's going to be guys making a million dollars next year. They're going to fall off the, by the wayside left and right. 
Um, I'll let you pick. Do you think a bigger loss is Aaron Jones from Green Bay, which does seem like it's a foregone conclusion, or Miles Sanders? Are the Carolina Panthers going to give up on Miles Sanders, even though... $6.2 6.2 million of his salary next year is already fully guaranteed. It just doesn't seem like they can keep him around. It seems like they're going to have to eat this one. This guy's been a backup running back basically since week three, even though he was the highest free agent running back contract of the offseason. How much money do they save if they do they even save any money if they move off of him? No, my thinking is I don't know. I think they might be too pot committed for this. Well, my thinking is, do you just eat some of that six point two guaranteed and get him off your roster via trade and let somebody else handle him? Maybe at three, four million for twenty twenty four. It's possible. Um, they've already admitted everything else out loud. Why wouldn't they just admit this is a mistake as well and try to at least cut some bait, right? <laughs> the and then the ironic part is that uh, even though I think DeAndre Swift passes the eye test, the Eagles' running game is not as good this year as no. it was last year. And Miles Sanders was the number one guy. So maybe it was a perfect fit situation or or a good contract year for Miles Sanders there. But I'm going to go Aaron Jones of the two. I think that one is. Yeah, that one that that one's in the stars. You know, he's dealt with too many injuries. He's too expensive. It's an easy one to move off of. I'm going to I'm going to foreshadow a little bit here because I'm into like the the linebackers part of the roster bubble piece. And I'm, I'm closing in on the secondary. I've got. I don't know, eight or nine Packers on this list, which scares me because I'm not sure the Packers are in a position where they want to rip everything off, right? With Jordan Love and everything, but they could. They could easily move eight or nine really prominent names off this roster next year. And I don't know where that leaves them as a franchise, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of a hit or miss offseason. We'll see. We'll know early where their head is when we start to see, you know, some of these bigger names defensively. I think Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones are for sure off this roster, but. You know, they can go a heck of a lot deeper with these roster cuts and and really free up some situations for them if they choose to. Well, they've dealt with a ton of injuries, so they already know what it looks like this yeah. year to deal with a depleted roster. And I think all things considered, they've done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. What about at the wide receiver position? I got a lot of names here, right? We could go Michael Gallup. We can go Hunter Renfro. We can go MVS and, and Gadarius Tony out of KC. Both, I think, are gone. Oh, those were all the trade candidates that didn't end up going anywhere. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you two names again and let you... No, I'm going to give you three names. Ready? Right. I think Mike Williams is a guarantee. I just think the injury stuff has been too damaging. They can free up $20 million in, in Los Angeles by moving on here. That seems like a foregone. Um, here's the two names. Here's the A or B. Tyler Lockett in Seattle, great having a great year, but there's guys on that roster around him and he's got a $27 million cap at next year. Or how about Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh? Um, man, that dude's been kind of run through the garbage here in the past couple of weeks, right? It seems like that team, that organization is falling out of favor with him. It seems like that happens with Pittsburgh wide receivers after a couple of seasons anyway. Yep. Uh, they can free up $10 million. I don't know the quarterback situation there too much. Pickens probably could use a few more targets. Uh, of those two, who's the uh, who's the guy that falls off the roster next year? Uh, of between Pickens and Deontay Johnson. No, let's do uh, let's do Johnson or Tyler Lockett out of Seattle. Man, Tyler Lockett's such a beloved figure. I mm-hmm. think we'd be looking at more like a restructure there. I don't see him moving on. But Deontay Johnson, yeah, and um, I don't know what kind of wiggle room they have for George Pickens, but I wouldn't be surprised if they blew up that whole really? wide receiving unit and just started over. They're not getting when Mike Tomlin, who is not on the hot seat um, because he's <laughs> a legend, he's dealing with effort issues from both of them. That can't be something that like right now you do it because you only have so many guys that you can field and they have talent. But um, 
I could see a world where both of them are off the roster. Yeah, that's that's wild. Are, are both trade candidates then? Is Johnson tradable? I don't think Johnson is tradable. I think that would be the the bubble situation where you you just let him go and you eat it. Uh, yeah. But George Pickens, somebody would take a shot on that talent for yeah. sure. I mean, that's something that you talk about a Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs that just want to add talent to the wide receiver room. I could see both of those teams doing that. All right. Um, all right. You want to hit another? You want to hit another position? I, I, I we got to do the defense some justice. So give me a, a D lineman or a, or a defensive mm. back here. All right. I'll give you a, a couple of uh, hot take names here that are that are going to hit this list and be kind of the the forefront of this whole roster bubble article for 2024. Uh, I'm worried about Grady Jarrett in Atlanta again. I've talked about a, a franchise figure. He is the franchise figure, right? Because there's nobody else taking the reins yet, including the coach, including the offensive weapons that should be taking the reins. Uh, it's a big cap hit. He's been injured. He tore an ACL this year. He's going to be 31 years old next season. They're going to need some cap room here, right? They're going to have to make some sweeping changes, probably at quarterback as well next offseason. So uh, I, I do think it's probably time for Atlanta to move on from Grady Jarrett. And here's the big one. I mentioned I've been trying to disassemble the Chargers. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe Joey Bosa was in year five of this contract already. I, I think there's a very, very real world where good business says Joey Bosa should be off of this Chargers roster next year. Cleo Max having an all-pro year. He's got one more year left. You could let him run out his contract as the premier edge defender on this roster and just put your hands up with Bosa and his injury history and say, forget it. We can't do this. Bosa's got a $36 million cap it next year. One of the highest in all of football. You can free up over $14 million. If you're just talking Bosa and Mike Williams, that's almost $30 million of cap saved right there via trade or via release. So you're talking about a significant chunk of, of, of cap room to deal with to replace these players, whether it's through the draft or via a free agency this offseason. I just think the entire organization needs to step back both financially and from a football standpoint and build this thing properly around Justin Herbert. And I know that's a that's a hot take name, Joey Bosa. And certainly he's tradable, but the Chargers really need to think about this because continuing to invest in this player, both from cap and cash standpoint, is probably the wrong business move for them in their current scenario. This is why we love you, Mike. You're not giving us just any name. You give us Joey Bosa. Are you kidding? I me? know. I know. <laughs> That's a heavy hitter. No. Yeah. Welcome to L.A., Jim Harbaugh. Here's a uh, Joey Bosa list. <laughs> Chargers defense. Have fun. I do not put my stamp on that endorsement, by the way. I'm not endorsing Harbaugh to the Chargers. I don't like it. I don't like uh, it, man. Bel- Belichick, Harbaugh. You got anybody, Ooh. any name out there? You thinking they said they would put all their resources into hiring somebody, which is Flies in the face of how they usually handle this stuff. Yeah, I know. They shouldn't be doing it. They should be dialing it back, not adding. They should be subtracting right now. But, you know, maybe this is one of those scenarios where I've got 10 of their players on this roster bubble list and none of them leave, right? They want to run it back. (laughs) That's what the Chargers do. It's what the Clippers do and it's what the Chargers do. (laughs) They're caught up in the lights of Los Angeles. All these (laughs) these teams, the secondary teams, the front-running teams. Uh, It's just they all get caught up in that. Let's get into our quick hits to wrap up the episode. We're going to take a look back at 2023 and i just want to ask you a couple of overview questions to tie a bow on the year i'm going to leave a lot of meat on the bone so bear with me there but um i'll just go with like the three big sports that we talk about nfl nba major league baseball got a question for each we saw a bunch of quarterbacks sign new deals this year joe burrow lamar jackson jalen hurts how has the financial landscape at the quarterback position changed over the course of 2023 yeah, huge, right? I mean, 50, 50 million was the hot button number 
coming into the offseason and we had four or five quarterbacks blow it out of the water uh, with 200 million plus guaranteed. So the 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 mountain just continues to be to, to climb. It's going to get bigger and bigger. I don't see an end in sight at any point in time. Dallas, you know, anytime the Dallas Cowboys are involved with a quarterback contract, you know, things are about to advance even further. So uh, the name to watch is certainly Dak Prescott. Uh, it's it's in terms of 2024, I think it got a little bit lighter with the quarterback money, right? I, I mean, I'm not sure Trevor Lawrence gets his contract. I'm positive Justin Fields doesn't get his contract. So it's really about Dak and maybe Kirk Cousins to some degree. And maybe we can talk ourselves into Tua, uh, depending on the next six to eight weeks go in Miami. But uh, I don't think we're going to have the the high impact multiple quarterback contract discussions this offseason like we've had in the past. But certainly 2023 did not disappoint in terms of the big time numbers. Right. And let's look at the baseball world. When you look back at the year of Major League Baseball, it feels like they took the biggest leap forward of any of the sports uh, with the change to the rules. The perception change around the sports world is that baseball is back. So that was huge. Uh, But in terms of the the story of the year, was it that uh, or looking at it through a financial lens, the team or teams that you think really fascinated you the most the rule change has absolutely helped making it a more watchable sport but the fact that the texas rangers spent almost a billion dollars over two off seasons and then won the whole thing that's really good that's good for baseball i know it seems like it's not right you're not supposed to be able to buy championships you kind of have to in baseball you know you kind of have to and they want you to by the way baseball wants this to to be the way it works they want their off seasons to be more prominent and more you know notable even though they last six months right nobody even knows we're in free agency right now because outside of otani's ridiculous contract it's just sort of like this peter along process so the, the rangers getting to the finish line with their payroll and now advancing their payroll even more is good certainly the dodgers doing what they're doing this off season is really good but i have to play devil's advocate so many of these teams are facing television disc, you know, uh, network issues right now. Right. Right. So you've got all these, orga- yeah, you've got all these organizations that are ramping up and I think doing things the right way from a business standpoint. And I'm not even sure fans are going to be able to watch these teams play baseball outside of, you know, network primetime games or going to the actual stadiums themselves. So I hope the sport gets their, their S together this offseason with that stuff because they are in a good spot coming off a nice 2023 season. And there are big boy teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers paying money to get better right now. And they better be ready from from a television standpoint to get there. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Bally Sports might be a little short staffed right now. I noticed this <laughs> last night. I was watching the Magic game on there on my iPad, and they used to have an option where you could pull down the stats in the background while the game was on. Mm-hmm. That is gone. So uh, they fired whoever was controlling that situation. Well, let me throw more thing in here quickly because the the NBA and to some degree the NFL now with the with the YouTube TV stuff has really advanced their their league whatever you want to call it, league passes, you know, NFL tickets, whatever each league calls it. The NBA's one to me is by far the best out there because of the the control you have, the the the, the you can do it day by day, week by week, however you want to handle it. You can log into your phone right now and watch the fourth quarter of any game in the league right now for a dollar ninety nine. It's just come a long way for the NBA. This is something that Major League Baseball can do themselves. If they if they inc- you know up their there, whatever you call it, I, I, for, I forget the what Major League Baseball calls. Yeah, the the yep. league based subscription, so that if I want to watch the Dodgers at any point in time this year, I should I can do it, even if it's not paying two hundred dollars, it's paying five dollars for a weekend of the Dodgers. I, I want baseball to take control of this and make it better for the fans in, in every single market. If the local markets themselves aren't going to get their act together, 
Yeah, and it, you've got to allow you've got to allow fans in that market to access yep. their team via streaming. I, I it it just it frustrates me that you still can't do that. You have to have access to these TV packages. Um, I would love to be able to log into. I have the MLB package mm-hmm. and if i want to watch and i'm in orlando by the way i'm not in tampa i can't watch Rays games i know i can't watch marlins games i'm four hours away and it's all the because of these Stadium. regional it's all because of these regional networks as you know but if they're failing us then i i want the league to step in and make it better for the fans because it's just too good of a situation right now right otani and the dodgers soto and the yankees you know some of these big name pitchers are about to move around a couple of a ton of international stars right they got to get their act together right now so that these players can be on the forefront and on people's screens 170 plus times a year in the NBA, we saw the Nuggets claim a title. Is this the year that we look back on and say, okay, you don't need multiple Hall of Famers in order to win a ring anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think it's more about depth right now in a league that used to be about super teams, even though there's still some teams trying to to, to run the old school route. And I think because of that, and I'll foreshadow this nicely, I think it's going to be a really active deadline. You know, we, it never disappoints. The NBA is the trade king in terms of these leagues. But I really do think we're going to see the Bulls completely break it up. And, I, and some of these other teams, maybe even the Pistons hand off some of their young talent and maybe the, the, the Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks get involved as well. I, I think this is going to be a very active deadline because there are going to be multiple teams now with the play-in tournament and things like that that want to actually bulk up from a depth standpoint and not worry so much about having two superstars and maybe three shooters and all the things that you, used, you needed back in the, uh, the early 2010s that 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 ran the league. So yeah, Denver doing it the right way from a draft standpoint, from a free agent standpoint and from a boring standpoint, right? The old Spurs boring way, I think yep. is coming back into vogue and that should mean more movement this offseason. Well, that does it for today's edition of the Spot Track podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. It goes a long way. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com, more content coming your way in a matter of moments for the latest in the contract and transactional world. Uh, Happy New Year to all and a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. All of that. I uh, I guess we'll do this again in uh, 2024, Mike. You bet. I appreciate your time, man. Happy Holidays. Same to you. We'll see you guys next.